Hey everybody, it's Adam Farkas along with Paul Farkas here. And welcome to another edition of ODYR Radio. And today, Paul, we're going to be talking about managing your financial profile. Okay. So this is the third part of our series about starting your own practice. And before before I introduce our speaker and get back into it, I have an anecdote to share. Sure, go ahead. Someone on ODYR, I don't know if you've been following along, had some nefarious person file his taxes for him. And make off with his tax refund. Is that right? And destroy his credit rating. Is that today? <laughs> so this is this is all unfolding on ODY, and we're watching this poor doc go through this. So so oh this boy. is yeah. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at you out there, poor doc, but you know it, it happens. And so today is all about managing your financial profile, and AKA how not to let that happen to you, or if it does happen to you, how to keep on top of it. So we're very fortunate to have Tom Baker um, from Wells Fargo Practice Finance come and speak to us today all about how to manage your financial profile, specifically, of course, to make yourself look good to the bank when you're actually going out uh, and and start your own practice. But in general, this is useful for everyone because no one wants to have a tax return filed on their behalf by a criminal. (laughs) So, Tom, thanks so much for being here. You're welcome. Okay, so let's, let's talk about the basics. What is my financial profile? Okay, so your financial profile, quite simply, is um, is really a snapshot of of who you are. Um, you know, when we talk about you know uh, uh, personal credit, you know we talk about our personal credit report. Uh, most lenders gear into FICO credit scores and, and, you know, what is a FICO credit score? That's a, a really a, a convoluted number that the credit bureau agencies have um, come up with based on a lot of factors. Uh, they take into consideration, uh, you know, how, how have you paid your debts uh, over the last, you know, five years, 10 years, what have you? Uh, you know, do you pay your, your creditors on time? You know, how much debt do you have? Uh, how much uh, uh, borrowing capacity do you have available to you? Um, they take all, all of this into consideration and they come up with your FICO credit score. Uh, but really, it's, it's a snapshot of who you are, where you've been, and most likely where you're going. So it, it, your financial profile is really your character, uh, it's your credit and it's your capacity. And so, uh, you know, how have you managed your accounts to date? Um, how does it appear you're going to manage your accounts going forward? And uh, it really tells a lender who you are, um, especially if you're thinking about doing a startup, because if you have an existing practice or if you're thinking about buying a practice, then, yes, your personal credit is extremely important. But um, additionally, there's historical financial information to fall back on. So if the historical information is available, the lender wants to see it. So if you're buying a practice, the lender wants to see two or three years of tax returns on the practice that you're buying. If you have an existing practice and you're thinking about doing a a remodel or an expansion, the lender wants to see your historical financial information. If you're doing a startup, there is no historical financial information to fall back on. So the lender is gearing heavily into your personal credit history you know how you've you've managed your accounts to date, and then they gear in also to the 
the type of project that you're entering into, what your projections look like, and that's how they determine if, if they feel that you're going to be a, a good loan and if they should uh, you know, borrow you the money. So, so we have the situation, which is getting more and more common, where optometrists are graduating with six-figure debt from, from student loans. And they've amortized that debt over their lifetime in many cases. Uh, how, how do you handle that part of, of, a, of a debt? Because the profile is horrible uh, with, with six figures there in debt and yet not much of a payment history. Absolutely. And we, um, it, it is not uncommon for us um, to see six-figure debt from a new applicant. It's, we see it all the time. And, and uh, really, we expect it. Uh, you know, we, we expect our, uh, you know, younger new doctors to have um, a very, you know, limited or maybe even negative net worth. And so that's another term I'm throwing out there is net worth. And, and what is net worth? So net worth is your assets less your liabilities. And so if you do a personal financial statement, which a lender is going to ask you to do, on the left side of the statement, you list your assets. And if, you know, that includes uh, if you have money in the bank, if you have um, stocks, bonds, cash, any kind of investments, if you own a home, if you own a car, uh, if you own any uh, tangible items. Uh, so those are all considered assets. And then on the right side, you list your liabilities, and that's any debt that you have. So if you have student loans, that would be on the liability side. Uh, if you own a home, you most likely have a mortgage. So you list the value of your home as an asset. You list the amount that you owe against it as a liability. If you own a car, you would list the, the value of the car. And then on the liability side, you list how much you own against it. So uh, for most of, of our new beginner startups, uh, they have a very limited or maybe a negative net worth because if they own a home, they probably have very little or, or no equity at all in the home because they've, it's newly acquired. Uh, and they uh, typically have student loans. And so we're accustomed to seeing student loans. And that you know, doesn't scare us as a specialty lender because uh, we see it on a regular basis. And uh, we know how, um, you, know, you know, why it was acquired, and we know what the earning potential is for an optometrist. So uh, we really look at more at um, not, you know, the student loans, not the net worth of the applicant, but we're really gearing into their personal credit history, uh, they may ha you know, you might only have a limited number of accounts, but you probably have a credit card uh, from Target or, or uh, Sears or Pennies or Visa or MasterCharge or whatever. You probably have a gas card. You probably have a cell phone bill. So there are accounts, and there is a, a credit history to fall back on and for the lender to look at. And then we look at the global cash flow. So what we're going to look at is... Um, you know, how much are you projecting to earn out of your new practice? Uh, what does your external income look like? So if you're going to continue to work outside of your new practice a day or two a week, which we strongly encourage, by the way, 
if you have spousal income, you know, whatever your external income is. And so we look at the global cash flow to see that you have sufficient income coming in from uh, your new practice, your external income, and you have enough income to cover your debt. And so we we take the student loan into consideration, and in most cases, the numbers work. You know, I, I have a question, because this, this to me is fascinating just mathematically. You know, when if you want to buy a house and you don't make a payment, they take your house away. If you want to buy a car and you don't make a payment, they take your car away. But with a student loan, they don't throw you into debtor's prison (laughs) if you can't make your payment. So I guess I'm wondering from from the economics of this, it sounds like then you don't really require much collateral at all. You're really basing the entire loan off of the cash, the projected cash flow of the practice. We really do. We don't require collateral because it's something that, that really is not acceptable. It's not available. Our, our startup uh, clients, uh, the younger doctors, do not have the collateral to put up. And, and so when we talk about specialty lenders versus, uh, you know, non-specialty lenders and, and your typical, you know, local community corner bank uh, that does not have experience in healthcare, uh, it can be really challenging to go into that bank and borrow money because, they are looking for collateral. They they typically want to be secured by equity and real estate, stocks, bonds, cash, parental guarantees, something tangible they can sink their teeth into because they really do not understand uh, optometry and how an, an optometry practice works. So, you know, having no collateral and trying to borrow money from a a bank that requires collateral, uh, that's a huge roadblock uh, to putting your project together. So um, we do not look to collateral because we know that our borrowers do not have the collateral to provide. And because we have 25 years experience at lending to doctors, we know the doctors that have good personal credit and have paid their accounts as agreed, and have a project that makes good financial sense, their chances of being successful are very, very high. And we have a comfort level at lending into those situations. Right. So I guess then the question is, what are the red flags? What, what makes you nervous? Or what makes somebody's credit profile look bad to you when you're making these lending decisions? The red flags in terms of a credit profile are going to be... Uh, if there's derogatory information on a personal credit report, that's that's an issue. And depending on what is being reported as derogatory, that can have substantial impact. So, uh, you know, if if accounts are paid late, um, especially like a mortgage, I've seen situations where. 30 days late on a mortgage has taken a FICO score down 100 points. And so you you need to be very mindful about making sure that, you know, your payments are are made on time and as agreed because, um, you know, that's what, what, you know, the lenders are gearing into uh, first and foremost. So um, you need to really check your personal credit report on a regular basis. Um, you know, every six months, 
uh, at, at a minimum once a year. Uh, you can access your credit report free of charge. All, you know, the major credit bureaus all provide free credit reports. So you should request a copy of your credit report and go through it and make sure that all of your payments are as agreed and there's nothing derogatory. Um, if there is something derogatory, then, you know, you need to begin dealing with that immediately and try and get that resolved. But it's very, very difficult. Once something is reported as derogatory, uh, it's very difficult to have it reversed. Um, there's really no incentive on the part of uh, the reporter or you know who's ever making that claim to turn it around. So uh, really, the the burden is is on all of us to make sure that our credit is in good standing. And uh, um, Adam had mentioned about the tax return uh, that was compromised, and quite honestly, identity theft is the fastest growing crime in the world. And it's um, every day we are at risk of having our personal information stolen, and you know we've seen it happen. Uh, time and time again, Target had, you know, what, 60 million people that their credit card information was compromised and, and uh, insurance uh, companies and, uh, you know, medical insurers have gone through it. And it's an ongoing problem and, and it continues to get worse. And if, you've, uh, if you know of anybody or if you've ever read an article about somebody that's had their identity stolen, it can really mess your life up and, and make things miserable. So it's very, very important to guarantee your personal credit and make sure that everything that's being reported is being reported accurately. So now there's one area that um, it may not become uh, be, be much of a problem any longer because the housing market is much better. But many people uh, bought housing at the top of the market and then the bubble burst and they were forced into uh, either foreclosure or at, at the very minimum uh, a short sale. How, how does that affect your credit? That um, very negatively affects your credit. It's it's um, it's not a good situation to have been through. And uh, I know we all know people that have been through it. And and uh, I have a daughter that went through it herself, and she did everything right. Um, but the majority of the people in her condo building did everything wrong, and she suffered because of it. So it happens. Um, it's an issue, and, and lenders do not like to see uh, anything like a short sale or a foreclosure, judgments, tax liens, bankruptcies. Uh, those are all bad. So if there's any way to avoid that, and I know that there's always extenuating circumstances, but uh, if there's any way to avoid going through any of that, um, you know, that's certainly going to help, you know, pave the way when it comes time to borrowing money. Right. So I guess then looking at the, the positive side of things, what would you say the steps are that people should take to improve their profile instead of focusing on <laughs> what you shouldn't yeah. do? What should you do? Well, I think what, what you should do to improve your profile, again, is, is to, to be very diligent about making sure that you make your payments on time as agreed. And, you know, with 
you know, online payment and being able to, you know, to go into your bank's web page and pay a lot of your bills and, and pay some of your bills with your credit card or whatever. It, it, you know, there's really no excuse to pay late. And so you need, really need to be mindful about that. Um, you want to make sure that if you have, um, you know, open, uh, you know, if you have charge accounts, if you have a visa account, let's say you have a visa and it has a $5,000 minimum, um, you know, you, you never want to maximize or max out your, your credit limit or your credit line. So, um, you know, you don't have, you know, you, it's okay to have credit and it's okay to have debt. It's really how you manage that debt. And so if you have a $5,000 line against your visa and you've, you know, charged up 3000 against that for whatever reason, you know, that's okay as long as you make your monthly payment and hopefully you're paying that down aggressively so that, you know, you keep your overall indebtedness to a minimum. Uh, but you want to make sure that you make that monthly payment every month, and you want to make sure that if you have 5000 available, you do not borrow the whole 5000 against it because that actually works against you. Um, and it doesn't hurt to have uh, multiple credit accounts. So, um, you know, you can have a, a Visa and a MasterCard, and you can have a gas card, and you can have a JCPenney, and and a target or whatever, and it doesn't hurt to have uh, maximum accounts as long as you know you don't overspend and don't overborrow and and uh, and take on too much debt. Um, so that's that's one way to to keep your credit in uh, in good standing and, and help keep your FICO score. Um, you know the national average for FICO score is 680, but lenders really are looking for your FICO score to be over 700. And, you know, if it's not hard to, to, to get there um, as long as you pay your accounts as agreed. And in terms of managing your credit, there, you know, and, and we talk about identity theft, um, you know, you may want to think about freezing your credit. And you may have seen some of the, the commercials where they have the semi-trailer and the social security number is in large black letters. I'd, on a trailer, and, and it's like, hey, you know, it, it's okay if if somebody has my social security number because my credit is frozen, and nobody can open an account under my name. And personally, I have my credit is frozen. Um, I feel a lot safer um, because I know that I'm protected. Nobody can open an account under my name. I don't have to worry about uh, my credit being compromised. And it's it's a little bit more of a hassle for younger people because um, they tend to borrow more often and they might want to buy a car and they need to get a car loan. Uh, but it's easy enough to unfreeze your credit for 24 hours, have the lender you know pull your credit and then refreeze it. Uh, but I, I think it, I, I strongly encourage everybody to, to consider freezing their credit because it's really the only way that you can protect your identity from being stolen. And so I, one, one question is getting back to Paul's issue about having a, a, a foreclosure or a bankruptcy. It, it, you know, it does happen. And the question is, should this stop you 
from considering trying to start your own practice? Is it is it a complete non-starter if this has happened to you, or should you give it a shot anyway? Well, I I think that um, you know again, every, uh, you know every situation is different, and so um, I would not let it stand in your way. Um, you know, for one thing, you know, we can pre-qualify an applicant and there's no cost to go through the process. So if, if, uh, a startup, uh, doctor came to me and said, Hey, I'm thinking about buying a practice or, or starting my own practice. And this is my vision and this is what I would like to do. And this is how much money I think I need to borrow. Uh, you know, we can, you know, walk through the process. Um, I would have a pretty good idea, you know, after, you know, 10 or 15 minutes uh, uh, on the phone about whether or not this, you know, this is, is going to work for our credit underwriting model. And it doesn't cost anything to apply. So uh, if you did have a, a short sale or a foreclosure, um, again, it's really going to, it's going to depend on, on one, you know, how long ago did that happen? How, so how long is it on your credit report? Um, how is your, um, credit history since, uh, that occurrence? Um, you know, so how have you managed your account since that happened? And, uh, you know, we can, you know, it's really up to the credit underwriters to determine if, if, uh, if that's going to be a, a, a you know a, a, a roadblock or not, so um, you know I would not discourage anybody from applying, and we can certainly guide you through the process. Again, it doesn't cost anything to find out, and uh, you know pre- being pre-qualified uh, is really a, is the the best first step because then you know that you know if you have. Uh, if you are pre-qualified by a lender and you have the financing available to you, you know then you can start putting the rest of the pieces of the puzzle in place. Right now, one one final area we're coming to a close, but uh, this is a question that would come up. I'm certain. Uh, supposing uh, the lender has a a a loving parent or in-law that would be a co-signer or a guarantor. Does this make a difference on uh, on the the approach to the loan? This can make a difference. So um, typically at, at Wells Fargo, we do not look to a guarantor or a cosigner. Um, but th- there are, you know, situations where we have. And so um, if, you know, they're, you know, depending again on, you know, if there is something derogatory in your credit history, and a reason for us to to possibly deny your request, uh, we might come back and ask for a guarantor or a cosigner. And so the the you know the guarantor um, would most likely be a family member, and you know the guarantor would would be somebody that has some financial wherewithal and has you know sufficient uh, income or sufficient. Uh, you know, uh, money put away, so to speak, uh, you know, to, you know, to help, uh, you know, shore up your credit file and, you know, maybe turn a no into a yes. That, that was the credit rate that Wells Fargo would, uh, would offer dependent on the deal 
or is there sort of like a fixed credit rate based on the economy and then the federal banking system, et cetera, et cetera? Well, we, we have a, a range for how we price our loans, and then and that's really based on uh, our money cost and how, and how we borrow our money you know, from our uh, from our mothership, you know, Wells Fargo. And so within that range, uh, we base our pricing off of FICO scores. So the higher the FICO score, the lower the rate. And uh, many lenders do their pricing like we do. And uh, insurance companies, for instance, you know, they will check your credit. So if you're applying for car insurance or homeowner's insurance, they will price uh, their rates based off of your FICO credit score. So yes, the, the higher the FICO score, the lower the rate. Great. Well, you've answered a ton of questions during these th <laughs> sessions. <laughs> I've got one more, though. Okay. Um, sure. we, we, we hear frequent complaints for students that they immediately get out of school, they got their diploma in hand, and they want to actually go and get out on their own. Is that something that you guys allow, or do you, do you want them to sort of be in the trenches for a while first? We really want them to be in the trenches for a while. And, uh, you know, having 25 years experience, uh, you know, we've seen it, it, we've seen a lot. And, uh, you know, so we, we really want our new beginner doctors to have some real world experience. Uh, we want them to be, yes, we want them to be out in the trenches. We want them to uh, gain experience and, uh, you know, really get a a, a clear vision of, of, you know, where they want to go and, and how they hope to get there. So um, typically we, we want them to be licensed for one year. And, um, you know, for us that, you know, that tells us that, that they have a level of experience that uh, now it's, you know, out of the classroom and into the real world. And, uh, you know, it gives us a, a, an added comfort level. And, um, you know, personally, if it was my son or daughter, I, I would encourage them to go out and get some real world experience before they think about doing their own thing. Sure. And this is actually going to sound like a technical and kind of ridiculous question, but if there if someone's moving to a new state and they need to procure a new new license after a year, that's okay, right? Yeah, that's fine. We you know, when we say newly licensed, we're we're really meaning uh time after graduation. So, uh you know, if you if you've graduated and you've been out of school for 1 year, that's sufficient for us. Great. All right. Well, Tom, we're just about out of time. You've done a fantastic job here uh, getting us started. You know, there are going to be questions. However. Oh, boy. So we're going to ha open up the discussion threads on ODWire and, uh, you know, we'll send them to you and hopefully we can continue the conversation online. So, uh, Tom, thanks so much for being here. Well, I appreciate you having me and I would uh, welcome uh, the opportunity to come back and I would like to do this again. So thank you so much. Fantastic. Thank thanks so much. Thanks. All right. You're welcome. You too. Bye bye.